Welcome to Close It Now, an HVAC sales training podcast with Sam Wakefield. Here, we'll build your reputation in residential HVAC sales to be the expert influencer in your market. You'll get insight into the top minds in the industry as they share their skills and hacks to help you on your journey. This podcast isn't just about selling more. It's about understanding your customers' needs and building efficiencies behind the scenes so you can sell more but work less while being top of mind when people think HVAC. Now, let's get started with your host of the Close It Now podcast. This is Sam Wakefield. Well, all right. Welcome back to the Close It Now podcast. Sam Wakefield here. I am sitting here with a gentleman that if you don't know him yet, you will. Um, he is somebody that I've looked up for a while in the industry. And you have seen his work, even if you don't realize that you've seen his work. Um, I was So I've been reading his book, which I'm going to uh, tell you the name here in a minute. But I came across this one chapter and my daughter, who is 10... You know, I've been, been teaching her about uh, marketing and branding and business. She sees this section called Purple Cow. And she's like, oh, my gosh. And she instantly says, I know what a purple cow is. And it was the coolest thing because so we had a moment to talk about that lesson from this book and how to stand out in the crowd. And every now, every time we're driving around town, every single time she says she sees something that stands out, if it's a service truck, if it's a sign, anything that's unusual, she says, hey, dad, is that a purple cow? I said, absolutely, it is, my dear. And so that 10-year-old is going to be a business genius by the time she, I, I, I hand to hand to the heavens, both of my daughters, I 100% know that they're going to have six-figure plus income by the time they make high school, I'm sure. But <laughs> I am so excited about our guest today. He is the author of Branded, Not Blanded. He's the owner of Kick Charge. Your, uh, Kick Charge is the name of his company. They are a branding and just they do a lot of stuff. So we'll go through everything they do today. But I want to start this podcast off with this quote. It's the very last page of the book. But I think it's a great place to start. When we begin with the end in sight, we know exactly where we're headed. And this quote says, at the end of the day, you really have two choices to fit in or to stand out, to be bland or to brand, choose wisely. So I'm so excited to welcome to the podcast today, Mr. Dan Antonelli. Thank you for joining us today, sir. Thank you, brother. That was like an epic introduction, man. I love the story of your daughter knowing and understanding what disruption means at such an, such an early age. I mean, mm-hmm. It's it's a great lesson for her to really understand, and I love the fact that she's picking it out as as you guys are driving and looking at things. It's it's that's awesome. <laughs> that's yeah, really fun. cool. It's fun. It's cool when you you know when you have a fan, when you're entrepreneurial minded, you, you and you share. Everyone around you has no choice but to you know <laughs> rise to the same level, right? So yeah. so tell us a little bit about uh, about yourself. We always like to start this with a highlight reel. Give everybody your, you know, kind of short history of how you ended up with Kick Charge. Uh, you've gone through a, a reading in the book. You've gone through a rebranding yourself, so you know what it's like to go through that. But give yeah. us that uh, that journey and kind of some philosophies for us. Yeah, well, I mean, I really actually started when I was very young. Um, 
hand lettering things, um, mainly trucks. So I was working with entrepreneurs. The first truck I did, I was about 15 years old. Um, and you know, it was for a home service company, it was for a plumber. So it's just kind of ironic that, you know, 35 years later or so, I'm I'm still actually doing that. Um, so I just really love the idea of working with entrepreneurs and I loved lettering. I love topography. Um, I love seeing the work on a vehicle. And and also I love the idea that that work that we were doing, even at that early age, um, was really significant for the people that were hiring us to do it. All right. So, so the ability to recognize, I think very early on that it was more than just cool lettering, cool, you know, art, it was actually helping this business to grow and, and in effect change their Mm -hmm. lives. Um, and so um, I really wanted to be a sign painter when I was 15 and my parents g- gently encouraged me to to go to college um, instead. Um, and I still did lettering while I was in college. Um, and and I, honestly, I studied advertising while I was in college. So it was actually a really sure. good thing. They sort of pushed me to do that. Uh, but then when I got out, um, I worked as a graphic designer in Manhattan for a number of years and started the business like so many others, like on the side. So it was like my side hustle and I was working nights and weekends and I was doing a lot of lettering and logos and and, and brochures and websites at the time and things like that. Um, and I just love the idea that, that that logo became so central to everything that that business was, was putting out. And I thought it wouldn't be cool if there was a place you could go where they could do everything for that small mm-hmm. business. And that really kind of laid the foundation for what we became today. Um, and, you know, today we have about, I think we have 22 people that work here right now. Um, and we are primarily a, a home service branding agency. So we'll design the brands for probably over 200 um, home service companies this year. Um, throughout my career, I think we've probably surpassed over 2000 home service brands. Um, so sure. um, I don't know if there's a a way to to say this unequivocally, but I'm pretty confident that no one's created more home service brands than us in the world. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty confident of that. But um, regardless, you know, the cool thing is that even 25, 35 years later, we still are changing lives uh, with our work. Um, and so that's what gets the team excited. Um, a lot of the team actually came from bigger agency backgrounds where they felt like their work actually didn't make a difference. Like sure. if it helped Verizon sell more phones or phone service, <laughs> so what? Like I wasn't, right. they weren't changing lives um, and, and they get to really experience firsthand the results that we're able to achieve and how that impacts um, that that business owner, his family, his employees, their culture. Like there's so many really cool things. And and um, right. you know that's our why. That's that's why we do what we do, and what's still to me so many years later is the best part of my my job of what we get to do is we get to change lives, we get to do really fun creative things, um, and uh, you know still as passionate today as I was you know twenty five thirty years ago about mm-hmm. it. It's, it's pretty cool. Oh, I love it. It's uh, it's definitely. I mean, I I worked in a company and tiny texas town years and years ago uh, when i was getting my starting my career and we went through a rebrand we went from the basic you know let's buy vinyl stickers from the walmart into (laughs) okay we hired the guy down the street that just did vinyl stickers but they were bigger 
it then finally moved into the owner hired a branding company and we developed a you know the logo and you know a, a character that mm -hmm. became kind of the face of the organization and uh, this was before you know this is years ago before you know you were nearly as known i guess but um yeah it was really cool it was to see the the response of you know homeowners when i'm walking into the house like hey we like your little guy on your truck you know and it's just such a warmer reception if nothing yeah. else it's like wow it's, yeah. it gives it instantly something to talk about so i've been through that experience and it was fun mm. but um let's dive in a little bit because you're talking about um you know really changing lives and creating uh, affecting culture culture is huge it's one of the mm. things that we talk a lot about on this podcast and i know that there's several well plenty of listeners i could think of two people i actually corresponded with recently I put up a post the other day that I was reading your reading your book, and um, I had a couple of people comment. One guy was like, "Man, this book's been riding around in the truck with me for two weeks," and uh, it's like, "Thanks for this post. I'm going to pick it up and actually start reading today." And another <laughs> gentleman, he is starting his company. I was like, "Man, make sure to start on the right foot, so you don't have to you don't have to hit pause and cost later." Yeah. So tell us a little bit about. Um, Let's talk a little bit about culture, but kind of from both perspectives. One, if you start with the right branding and two, what it's like to rebrand down the road, uh, because those are, you know, kind of two very different pivotal points in the, in a business's yeah. journey. And it's funny because the book, the book's for both of those people, mm -hmm. but ideally if you're starting a business next month, six months from now, whatever the case may be, if you read the book and understand as much as you possibly can about the do's and the don'ts, like naming, um, you know, whether or not you should use a mascot, how to research color, like it's just going to help you so much more than doing it later on. Right. And, and, and so, um, I really felt like, you know, when I looked at so many of these common mistakes that keep happening when, when people start their business, because they're not branding people, you know, like, you know, most home service contractors got pissed off at who they were working for one day and said, <laughs> I'm starting my own company. Well, yeah, what am I going to name, it? Gonna name it after myself? I'm going to name it after yeah. my kids initials, like all these <laughs> things that sound like really good ideas at the time. Um, turn out to be not so good uh, later on. So I said, let me let me hopefully get this book in as many new entrepreneurs as I possibly can. And then for the people that have been doing it for a, a while, um, help them to understand why why maybe they're spending so much money on LSA and PPC and understanding the relationship between the branding that's out on the street and how that affects their overall marketing strategy and how to make the most of their marketing budget. Um, and spend the least amount of money. I mean, I think that's the sort of the weird thing that most, I feel like a lot of, a lot of agencies don't necessarily want you to spend the least amount of money on marketing. And I'm like, well, mm -hmm. we want you to spend like as little as possible right. on marketing and just maximize uh, the mm -hmm. ROI. Um, and as it relates to culture, culture becomes the thing that changes post rebrand. Okay. So it infuses okay. that new energy and infuses that new confidence. It's really crazy to me sometimes the confidence that the owner gets after the rebrand. They get so energized and proud to put on the shirt. They're really pumped up. And that kind of, you know, distills among all the employees that energy. Um, okay. And it also signals to them that you're serious about what you want to do with this company, that you're evolving, right. that you're not status quo. And that complacency affects 
so many owners because they mm-hmm. they get to this point and they think that everything that they've done up until that point is the reason why they should never actually pivot and, and change. Um, and, right. you know, we sort of like to say that, you know, again, you know, the old axiom, like what got you here isn't going to get you there. Uh, or it can, it's just going to cost you a whole ton <laughs> more money in doing it. So it never makes right. sense to me sometimes why um, why not fix the deficiencies as early as you possibly can and realize the rewards of that transition later on. So there's some pain, listen, rebranding for companies. I don't want anyone to go through um, under the illusion that it's easy, um, mm-hmm. that it's not going to be painful. Um, but I will say this, um, I mean, honestly, I can't think of a single company that we've ever rebranded and renamed um, that has lost revenue post rebranding. Sure. Like I just honestly don't know of a single company that we've ever rebranded that has lost revenue. It's always been that inflection point, that trajectory change, you know, and they're they're they're, they're gradual, they're gradual, gradual, everything's steady, steady, steady. And then suddenly that is what sort of catapults them into that next level. And we have so many examples of of companies. And and I think the, the, the other thing too, Sam, is like you're never too big to endeavor to do this. You know, we we had several companies this year that were um 30 to 50 million dollars in revenue that we rebranded. Right. You know, so so you some I think a lot of owners get to the point where they think they're too big to mm-hmm. rebrand. Uh, right, right. And and that again we're that too mindset, established, people know yeah. us too well, et right. cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And it, and it's and it's you know, I feel like some people may know you. Um, and I would hope if you're at 10 million, there's a decent amount of people that know you. But sure. just recognizing that someone says, I see your trucks, um, it's more about what does the truck say about your company is right. is the larger question. Like seeing the trucks is only part one of the equation. But if they didn't, if they just moved to the area and they saw your trucks, what's the takeaway? What what do they feel? How do they connect with it? Like you mentioned earlier, like making that connection, causing that empathy between you and the homeowner. Um, and so, you know, it's interesting because there's some really, really large companies, especially on the Northeast with awful brands. Yeah, right? <laughs> and, and, and I just look at that as opportunity, you know, because uh-huh. you know that they're complacent, whether they're PE owned or not. A lot of them are PE owned now. And, right. and the PE guys are generally not the guys that are really enthusiastic about rebranding. Right, because no. they got well, their steady it's returns cost money from the bottom yeah. line that could be going exactly. to shareholders, uh, and so they, you know, the returns are steady. Why rock the boat? And and that whole mindset, w- which is fine for them, and, and I sort of like having some of those behemoths in the market because I know they're complacent, and I know I could come in and do something that's more disruptive. I know I could do something right. that people will react more favorably to, and not need to spend as much money. Those are the guys that actually the irony of it is those are the guys that are usually at that 10% range or more that mm-hmm. they're spending on marketing, not really right. even understanding that they could probably half their marketing budget if they actually just fixed what's wrong with their branding. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, 100% agree. I was, uh, it's funny, I was having a conversation. Uh, d- well, two, two quick things that I have a coaching client up in, two, in uh, Tacoma, Washington. Mm-hmm. And he was asking me, he was like, hey, do most companies out there, do they provide vehicles for their sales guys? Or it's like, because we're driving our own. And I'm like, man, you know what? It's all over the board in the industry. But I tell you what, they're missing a massive opportunity to have a rolling billboard. Yeah. You know, and that's what we experienced at, at our company here in Austin was 
everywhere we went, people were like, oh my gosh, we see your vehicles everywhere. Well, we mm -hmm. weren't that big of a company, but people, it's memorable. So it right. feels like we're seeing vehicles everywhere. Right? Exactly. That whole concept of being sticky. And that's how you can compete. You know, maybe they've got 50 trucks in the market. After a while, again, if they're not done right, they do tend to blend in. But, you know, we've had so much success with the smaller guy that does something that's disruptive, that does something that's mm -hmm. memorable, unique, you know, uses different colors, um, you know, gets away from doing the red and blue arrows or the sun and <laughs> snowflakes. You know, those types of things are generally not causing Mrs. Jones to look at your truck wrap and say, oh, my God, that's so creative. I'm going to remember <laughs> that when I need service. So, exactly. um, you know, that, that whole the whole concept, that purple cow concept obviously plays plays into uh, a huge role, especially with the vehicle. And to your point earlier, when you just said about the salesman taking home the 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 trucks or the sales trucks, like they're driving that truck back to their home, like in their own community. So that local proximity factors mm -hmm. into the decision making process for that homeowner as well. Oh, I've seen those in my neighborhood. I've seen mm -hmm. their trucks there. My neighbor uses them. You know what right. I mean? So that else that also helps instill that confidence. So again, the idea of, hey, if I could just remember their name and Google their name instead of heating repair near me, right. then I'm winning, right? Because I'm going to rank high for my branded keyword searches versus an unbranded key keyword search. Right. So as right. much as you can it. get in their minds, that's obviously better. So you mentioned something that is very near and dear to me. You know, when I when I established my coaching company years ago, I did I spent time first designing my brand, and it's very simple, but people remember it. You know, I've looked across the other coaching companies, like they're either super bland or really hard to decipher what it was saying. I was like, mm -hmm. okay, now let's make it simple. Close it now. Sales training. That's that's what we're doing. We're closing sales, right? And yeah. so, but talk to us a little bit about, you use the word sticky. Um, that is something that um, I think a lot of times we can talk about really quickly, but dive into that a little bit, but especially for the listeners, there's so many people that don't quite get marketing concepts and stuff. And this is a really, really crucial one. Yeah. So, I mean, naming has become a really, really big part of what we do for a lot of companies. So they'll, they'll come to us with uh, asking us to rebrand them and their biggest obstacle for that idea of becoming sticky is that they have a name that no one else, no one would care to remember. And it's really hard to get them to remember. And, and of course, with enough ad spend, you can get people to remember stuff. But I always look at it like, my clients don't have a million dollars to spend on radio and TV to get them to remember a, a poor name. Can it be done? Yeah, it's done all the time. But what if we just fix it and we create a name that as soon as you say the name, first of all, you you have a visual of what it even looks like, right? Mm -hmm. So that's one thing. Like we just named the company Happy Hippo, Heating and Cooling. <laughs> I, I bet you, you have. It looks so cool. Yeah, like, but but if you hadn't seen it, I bet you you knew what it should look like roughly. Like you probably had a vision oh, of yeah. what that probably looked at. So if you can create a name um, that as soon as you say the name, you immediately think of a visual that maybe goes with it. And then you plaster that visual large on the side of that truck. And the repetition of that, again, becomes easier for people to remember because the visual, people remember visuals quicker than they remember words, right? So, right. so if I can get them to associate those two 
then it becomes a lot easier for them to remember when they need service. And people forget too, they think that the truck wraps are meant for people to suddenly call them right away when they see the truck and, hey, oh my God, I'm driving behind this van and I need HVAC service. Sometimes that happens. But the reality is it's mostly something that happens later on, right? Because they may not need that right at that very moment. But even think about the branding that we did for uh, Amanda. And I talk about that in the book, Amanda Triolo from from Grasshopper. Um, mm-hmm. Her her name was uh, PMI Mechanical. Now, would you ever remember PMI Mechanical or would you remember Grasshopper with a big grasshopper on the side of the, the van? It's, it's It sounds so painfully obvious, right? Like, oh my God, of course you'd remember Grasshopper, right? Um, and so, um, you know, I mean, her business is just exploding since since we renamed her um, and she was doing, um, I think at the time, less than $100,000 in residential uh, revenue, um, wow. residential uh, sales. And now she's doing almost 20 million two and a half mm-hmm. years later. Uh, well, right. how did that happen? I mean, Amanda's just a complete rock star. I, I, she's just amazing at what she's been able to accomplish, but I don't think she gets there with PMI mechanical. I just no, don't, don't no. think it because it, it was more than just the name. It was also the idea of grasshoppers only move forward. So you talk about culture in the brand and the idea that we as a company will move our people forward. We will help our mm-hmm. clients move forward. Um, and so it really became foundational to the overall vibe and the culture of that organization. So so naming, right. like that's probably the biggest chapter in the book, I think, is naming. Um, and a lot of people just to me it's like they're beating their head against the wall with a bad name and they mm-hmm. keep trying to hammer it and tr- keep hoping it's going to get sticky and and it just it's so hard to to have happen you sure know? it's so hard yeah absolutely and w- you know one of the thing being since the podcast is so much about personal growth we talk a lot about letting your ego is not your amigo and your ego getting in the way of your sales of all these different things and and for everybody listening i mean don't get confused. I mean, rebranding and doing having great branding is not a magic bullet or cure all to fix other parts of your business that are broken. 100%. So don't think that also. Yeah. However, yeah. it is definitely an integral component. It's one of the piece, one of the ingredients in the cake, right? It's it's yeah. just as integral as flour, sugar, you know, flour, sugar, milk, eggs, butter. Those five things make a cake. It's one of those components to your business. Most yeah. people leave it out and wonder why their cake never rises. And it's, yeah. it's just that important. And so, um, yeah. yeah, I, I love this conversation so much. But don't let you go getting in the way when huge. it comes to naming. It's, it's a really big obstacle for a, a lot of people. You know, the, the reality is you could look at, at 100 home service brands and probably 85 to 90% of them <laughs> really could, name, right? <laughs> could, could use work now uh-huh. now the reality is is out of the 85 to 90 percent if i were to tell that owner here's the deficiencies in your brand here's why it actually doesn't work here's why your truck wraps aren't working whether there's legibility issues whether there's contrast issues whether there's blanding going on in there how many of those you know 85 to 90 percent of people would actually listen to me and 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 accept that or right. it would be Oh, you know, you, you're full of it. Like, I, I know what I'm doing. Like, you know, <laughs> people say they see my trucks. So like, that's the mechanism that they use to justify continuing down that that path. I don't have any skin in the game. You can hire me or don't hire me. Like, if you really want my feedback on it, I'll be happy to give it to you. 
Um, but the reality is, is most people aren't even having those conversations with the owner. Like the digital marketing agency is not going to have the conversation with you and tell you, hey, dude, your logo sucks. And I can't yeah. build a really effective website that's going to convert for you until you change it. No, mm -hmm. they're not. They're not having that conversation. Right. It's, no, they're saying, hey, pay us more and we'll just put more into ads. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, OK, send me your logo. OK. Yeah. All right. I guess I'll work with this. Or the truck wrap guy. Is he going to tell you? Oh my God, your logo's awful. Um, mm -hmm. Probably not, you know. So right. um, there's a lot of people that have probably been saying yes to to the owners a really long time. Uh, even the employees, like that's the funniest thing. Sometimes is after we rebrand, then the employees feel free to speak about how poorly they thought the the previous <laughs> brand was. But during the time right. they were using it, no one's having a conversation with the owner. Hey, 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 boss man, you know what? Our logo sucks. <laughs> like no one's having that conversation. I get it. Like, why would you have that conversation? Mm -hmm. It's like, I, I feel like it's like telling somebody they have BO. Like you, you, exactly. you want to know, but it's like, you don't want to know. <laughs> yeah, I think that a lot of it too is, you know, it's awareness. When rebrand, going through a really good branding and taking the time, effort and expense it takes to do it is that like, okay, we're ready to make forward momentum. But until that moment happens, I think so many people, well, that creates a company and a culture that is, um, you know, focused on not just reacting, but being responsive, you know, really choosing where they're going yeah. instead of just, you know, putting out fires all day. And I think a lot of it is everybody's so just bogged down in the day to day of, okay, it's, a, it's, it's summer, it's hot. Okay, it's winter, it's slow that they just don't know what they don't know at some point too. It's like, that, that, and that's, they might that, mention it, but they don't even know it sucks. Yeah. They don't know. And they also don't realize the impact that it has on all the other channels. Right. Mm -hmm. So, so when they say sometimes, you know, the, the obstacle from the sales perspective is it's very expensive to rebrand. And, right. and I always say, well, how much is it costing you not to rebrand? What's the cost of not rebranding? Well, your recruitment cost is greater because it doesn't look like a place people want to work. Your marketing costs are more expensive because it's not working properly and we need to spend more money than getting our name in front of more people. Our, our average tickets are lower because it's harder for us to charge more because we don't look like a company that should be charging more. Um, right. So you add all these things up over time and it's like, rebranding is like is the least expensive thing for you to be considering because it, it mm -hmm. will save you so much money down down the road um even the impact sure. of what happens online like we mentioned earlier about just people typing in your name you know we we had a client um i mean we had a, a company that we do some digital marketing with and they compared they had built the brands the what sorry built the websites for 25 kick charge clients and they compared the kick charge clients that they've built the websites to with non kick charge clients. Right. And the amount of branded searches on a kick charge client in comparison to a non kick charge client, this is an average of 25. So it's not like we picked one or two and we cherry picked it. Right. Right. Not just out. And, and it was, it was 450 or so average branded keyword searches for people that had our brands versus about 45 for a non-kick charge brand. Wow. So 10X. So it was basically like a 10X. Now they also then I said, okay, well, what about conversion rates? Right. So we we got this inbound traffic. What's the conversion rates on on these sites? And and kick charge 
uh, branded companies were experiencing a 12% conversion rate, which is great. Like anything over 10 is considered to be very high. Um, right. And the non-kick charge was 6%. So out of the 44 that were coming in, only 6% were converting versus 12% of the 400 something that were converting. So you extrapolate mm -hmm. that out. There's a difference of like 50 leads a month that were coming in organically because of a better brand. Well, you know, I, I feel stupid saying this because you see all these ads like, what would it be worth to get 50 more leads a month for your business? Like, you know, those, <laughs> those, those things, right? I get and I'm like, well, this is like legit. Like, <laughs> yeah, this is legit. Like we're getting you 50 more leads a month on average. Like some of them were really even so much higher than that because people were also not just doing the obvious things like the truck wraps. They were also attending trade shows. They were also commu uh, 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 attending community events. They got their mascots right. made into a physical mascot. They were handing out tchotchkes to, to parents. Like So they were doing a lot more to even get their name to be stickier um, in, the, in that community. So, so, you know, when people say, oh my God, branding's, you know, so expensive, I'm like, well, it's a lot more expensive, not <laughs> branding and, and branding is just going to keep costing you more and more over time. Absolutely. That white van syndrome is, it's, it's a real thing. And so, and I'm going to tell this quick story and I want to take, you had mentioned earlier talking about the difference in average tickets and I can, every, all of you listen, I can absolutely attest to that. You know, when we were in Austin here with the precision heating and air before the uh, the original owner sold it, man, our branding was spot on. And I can tell everybody listening, there were so many times I walked into a house and the homeowner said, oh, we saw your trucks everywhere. And so we read some reviews and this does, you have to have great reviews and provide the service. If you're going to be a premium company, be a premium company. But so many times I walked in the house, they said, yeah, we read all the reviews of the companies in town. We see your trucks everywhere. You guys are professional. We didn't call anyone else. We're here to make a decision today. And they're telling me that the minute I walk in the doors the, as the consultant. Yeah. And right. they, what a different conversation. So then we're walking out with, you know, 20, 30, $35,000 project. And they didn't even shop. And it was yeah. such a great um, experience. So tell us a little bit about what changes with average tickets uh, when, so, when rebranding I mean, happens. Exactly what you described is exactly how it's supposed to work. And people misunderstand the role that branding plays in the perception for the home home consumer um, and the psychology behind it. So, so the idea that I can help control what Mrs. Jones believes about your company before you actually get to deliver any service, that's that's the win, right? That's That's the ultimate right. goal, right? So she's seen the vans. She hit the website. She saw some reviews, like you said. She's already establishing every one of those touch points is contributing to an impression that she has about your company. All I'm trying to do is control what she feels. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, right? That's that's the end game. Does she feel you're professional, trustworthy, honest, reputable, going to be in business next year? All those things mm -hmm. are factors into how much she feels she should be paying for this service as well, right? right? Because mm -hmm. because the homeowner will pay more for the service as long as they feel there's value, as long as they mm -hmm. feel like Absolutely. there's a reason behind it. So I don't want the cheapest guy to put a, a $10,000 system in my home because judging by his truck, I'm not sure he's going to be in business next year, mm -hmm. right? And then I'm screwed, right? So, yeah. so all those things Again, every single touch point that integrates that brand is telling a story about who that company is. The more you can control those impressions, the the higher the likelihood that you have of closing the sale and closing the sale at a higher average ticket. 
So mm-hmm. absolutely. Um, before that doorbell is rung, you know, the, the way the CSRs answers the phone, um, you know, the the communications to them before you arrive, um, the trucks that they've seen in the neighborhood, all those things are, are playing into our mind. And and again, too, the idea, too, and we talk about in the book about consumer psychology um, and recognizing the fact that women are making up like 70 to 80 percent of the home home purchasing decisions. So uh, having brands that speak to her is critically important brands that don't mm-hmm. scare the hell out of her is also pretty important <laughs> exactly. right which is like the again angry, like you, we're the angry rhino company yeah like what you feel like again is like painfully obvious information but but you'd be surprised like how many you know owners have really really aggressive mascots and muscled mascots and and um she's already scared to have someone to her home i mean at the end of the day she's letting somebody in her home Right. So, so why lead in with something that already makes her apprehensive? Why not lead in something with a warm and fuzzy that makes her feel comfortable with who's coming to her home? So remembering your audience. And I think that that's another ego thing where the owner who, you know, in, in this industry, obviously is more male owners, right? So they want the brand to be something about them. Like, Oh, well, like, you know, I'm really into this and I really, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm very, tough and you know we work out and you know all this other stuff and i'm just like listen it's not about you don't make it about you make it about who you're selling to first Mm -hmm. and i guarantee you once they love your brand you're going to love your brand when you see the revenue that comes from it right absolutely (laughs) you know and and you mentioned that i'm looking looking through the book and everyone out there if you don't have the book branded not blanded you have to get it it is a must read I instantly put it on the top five highest recommended uh, books. I get asked a lot of times because we're all about personal growth. What's what's my book recommendation list? This is instantly in the list. Um, awesome. So from from awesome. henceforth, this will be the the one, and and unless or until you come out with a newer or different one. But as I'm looking through this, it's like just like you mentioned. There's so many visuals in here, and so many of them are you know, these warm, fuzzy, either animals, or it's like the turtle one, everything's totally mm-hmm. awesome. All, every single thing is so like, I just want to be friends with the character on the side of the van. And it's a <laughs> fictional character. right? Yeah. And, and, and I, know I mean, think woman, about it. But, yeah. yeah. I mean, think about it, like, totally awesome. They're not coming to my house to screw me. No, like, that's not happening. You know, but no bds services i don't know what they're doing like you know what i mean but that's but that's the way guys brand themselves you know so so why not brand with a name that immediately establishes a positive expectation of service Mm -hmm. rather than needing to invest all this money to even establish what that initial base brand even stands for and Mm -hmm. what that actually means for me as the home consumer so you know names again going back to the name just any name that is going to conjure up a positive expectation is is inherently superior to a last name based brand or an initial based brand. Like I, right. I hate to say it like that because it feels so painfully obvious to me, but you know that's the reality when you think about naming. Yeah. That's why I spent so much time in in the book on naming because I think that that's the root of so many problems for many home service companies mm-hmm. is they start off on the wrong foot with the naming. Right, hundred percent agree. So everybody, listen. I mean, it's just like we talk about in sales. You have to divorce yourself from the outcome and marry the process divorce yourself from the numbers 
And that is not what matters. What matters is helping people and serving them and listening. It's the same thing here. You got to divorce yourself from, you know, having to have your own name in there. It's your company is its company. It's like your kid. You're not, I mean, unless you're, you know, a third in a, you know, Thurston Howe the third, right? But <laughs> it, you've got to divorce yourself from that. It's about what the homeowner wants to hear. It's the benefit lens we talk about. They have to, we have to be great communicators to show the homeowner what are the benefits. Everything else comes later. And so, uh, so something this podcast is known for, uh, Dan, is having um, basically every episode, we give the listeners something that's actionable that they could implement immediately. And so when, when we're in this conversation, you know, if there are either an owner or even just somebody who is working maybe for or with a company that might not have the best, what are some things that they can do right away, um, you know, on the path to, of course, getting in touch with you and getting rebranded, but some, some immediate changes that they can look at that might make a difference for them. So, I mean, there's a couple of things. There, there's a couple of simple things that I, I think people can do even just to judge the effectiveness of their brand on their vehicle, right? And one yeah. of the simplest things that you can do is take a photo of your truck wrap and then put it in your phone and then make it grayscale or black and white. And mm -hmm. if you can read it when it's black and white, then you have at least sufficient contrast. You'd be surprised how many truck wraps can't even pass that basic test because they don't have enough contrast in the actual branding. So that's one simple thing or actionable thing you can actually do. It's like, if you're not sure if your logo has challenges or if your truck wrap is working properly, simply take a picture of it, convert it to black and white, and you'll be able to see right away because you have to remember too, without sufficient contrast, your legibility is impaired. So it's a medium that mm -hmm. relies on distance legibility. So it's so critical to have that proper contrast. Um, and then another thing too, like again too, like if, if you were describing your company and you were on an elevator and you imagine you're, you're, you're handing out your card and if you handed out your card or if you've experienced this before where you hand out your card or you say the name of your company and the next question you hear from that person that you just said the name of your company is, what do you do? That's another problem, right? Mm -hmm. So you see a lot of brand names that are that are generic in their sense and you don't know and then you rely on other things to say it. So like if your company name was Absolute Services, that would be my next question. What, what do you do? Oh, I work what at Absolute Services. Services. Yeah. Well, what do you mean? Or, you know, so, so thinking about talking to a stranger, telling them the name of your company and having mm -hmm. them understand from, from that point, what you actually do is another simple, like judge of whether or not there may be some brand deficiencies and just the naming itself. Mm -hmm. Oh, I love it. That is, uh, that's great. We, we actually just had a guest recently that just wrote a book on how to properly have this conversation in like a business networking setting. So mm -hmm. like a BNI group or some of the chamber of commerce or those types of, um, so it's a very similar message. Uh, he was saying the exact same thing. So everybody success leaves clues. If we have a common denominator here in the conversation, clearly this is something to pay attention to. <laughs> so, uh, but it's the same thing. If they don't know what from your five seconds of what you told them, then it's not sticky at all, like we talked about. Yeah, and Sam, it. honestly, listen, you know, 
people can hit me up. It's not a sales pitch. Like I, my, my goal is to help as many people as possible, whether they become clients or not is irrelevant. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't write the book certainly to get rich because uh, I'll barely ever break even on writing a book. <laughs> um, but I just knew that there's so many mistakes that keep happening. And so I said, this can, this can help so many people, but if you have people listening and they're not sure, or, or maybe they're about to get their truck wrapped and they just got the design back. Like a lot of times people send me that stuff and I can just mark it up and tell them what to fix before they invest all this money in it and say, Hey, you know what? You don't have good contrast here. Make this a little bit bigger. Delete this. You shouldn't say that. You know, I can give that feedback very quickly. I'm like an open book, like just hit me up on, you know, on Facebook or send me, send me an email, like, and I'll give you feedback. And I promise you, I won't try to sell you a thing. It's just not how I work, but I hate to see. I hate to see guys investing in things that won't won't deliver an ROI, you know? And sometimes it's simple. Like sometimes it's easy. Like just take this off or make this bigger, move this over here. Like, and I can art direct very quickly. Like my whole life, you know, that's the curse (laughs) that I have. I look at everything and I want to fix it, right? So like, I'm okay with giving feedback. You don't have to be a client or a customer. Like I'm not not like that. Like I just want to try to get as many people winning as possible. And if I can help them in that journey, that's, that'd be awesome. Awesome. Well, that is so, uh, that that's definitely gracious of you. We definitely appreciate that. Uh, because I know there's a lot of people I've talked to recently that are kind of in that phase. They're considering it. Should I, should I not? And what, first of all, everybody, you should, <laughs> it's not, should you, or should you not? You should, yes, do it, but do it right. Don't waste, like Dan's saying, don't waste money with something that's just, you know, half-assed along the way actually take the time if you're going to spend time and money make do it once and do it right and, and this is one of those cool things though once you've done it you don't ever really have to do it again yeah for you a shouldn't long have time to redo it to yeah. Degree. yeah 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 it's something that's gonna the carry on with you so it's a it's a but it pays in residual dividends yeah um, so somebody that does want to contact you for service what Tell us a little bit about KickCharge. What all does the company do? I know we've talked generically about branding and, and strictly truck wraps, but give mm-hmm. us the full run of what the services you guys provide and then give us a, uh, you know, direct how they can get a hold of the company sure. directly to start that conversation. Yeah, absolutely. So obviously we create logos and brands. We do taglines. We do naming. Um, we do brand story elements. Um, we do traditional collateral, so brochures, uh, billboards, um, those types of things. We also manage the social media for a number of clients. So we actually do their, the voice of the brand and then communicate okay. that on social media channels. Um, and 95% of our client base is, is home service companies. Um, so... Mm-hmm. Um, and of course the truck wraps too. So, you know, a lot of people start out as wanting a, a better truck wrap. Um, a lot yeah. of times they come to us with a brand that I can't, I can't ever get to be effective on a truck wrap. And that'll be the conversation that we'll yeah. have. Cause at the end of the day, if you're insisting on using that brand that I know will never function properly on the truck, I completely respect that decision of yours, but I can't be a part of that journey because I'm not going to sure. take money for something that I know won't deliver an ROI um, for you. I'm I'm not, I'm not the right person for that um, endeavor. So 
Um, you know, so we get a lot of people, you know, certainly they ask us, um, to, they love our truck wraps and then they send me their logo and I'm like, you'll never get to that from here. <laughs> right. So we can fix this and we can absolutely get you there. But if you want to keep it, I understand, but I can't add value at that point to this sure. process. Um, and so, yeah, if they wanted to contact us, um, kickcharge.com, um, they can reach me there or Dan at kickcharge.com. And then if they wanted to get the book, you can obviously get the book on Amazon. Um, mm -hmm. They have it on the Kindle, or you could get it from our website. Uh, also, just kickcharge.com forward slash books. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, I 100% agree with not everyone is the ideal client if they're not willing to you know, make the change. To get changes, you have to make changes. And I'm looking at, for everybody that's listening, I'm uh, looking at the wall right behind Dan and he has this really kick-ass poster of all these different truck wraps lined up. And I can't imagine this lemon right in the center of there being like, okay, these were all great, except this guy didn't want to change anything. So it's just okay. <laughs> you know, that's not how you function, right? <laughs> so um, so when you, when you reach out to Dan, you know, be open-minded, you know, remember that your mind's like a parachute. It only works if it's open. So don't, uh, don't be so married to what you currently have if you're wanting to see change and growth that you're not at least open to the conversation to redo some things, maybe rebrand, maybe rename, you never know. Uh, because I, I clearly the track record, you know, just proves that, you know, the, the numbers don't lie at, at the end of the day, you know, there's, mm -hmm. I can't tell you how many examples in this book. And as you read through the book, everybody, you're going to see just like a crazy number after number after number. Uh, would it be okay if you shared me then with the listeners, the numbers that you were reading to me right before uh, we hopped on the, uh, on the podcast from, from your client that sent it to you? Is that uh, something on the, okay on the average share? ticket? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so one of the companies that's mentioned in the book was a company, it was previously called Air Source America. Um, and the, the revenue of that company um, was about 2.2 million. It had taken them about 10 years to get to 2.2 million. And uh, the owner's name was Jason Bueller. Um, and this is one of those very rare examples where a last name brand actually can work very, very well. Um, and he said, you know, Dan, I've been doing this for a long time and no one can remember um, the name of my company. Like I'd be finished with a job and they're writing the check and they would say, who do I make the check out to? Cause mm -hmm. the name was air source America, which just kind of sounds like an oxygen supply company, not necessarily <laughs> an, an HVAC company. Uh, right. So we, 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 but they always remembered my name from the movie. Right. So I, so I said, we should name the company Bueller air. We should do this fun brand and create this fun yeah. mascot, which we, which we did. And then the tagline is stay cooler with Bueller. Right. So it's, it helps become sticky yeah. when you have the, the rhyme there. Um, and we were looking at his average tickets. Um, so we looked at his average tickets from prior to rebranding uh, and post rebranding. And we've been updating it every year. He's five years into it. So he's gone from 2.2 million to 20 million in five years. Okay. So really nice growth. Um, he's done it at a less than 5% ad spend, which is also the beauty of, of, you know, having a very sticky and disruptive brand, but his average tickets have grown from $6,100 in uh, five years ago in 20, 2018 to uh, now it's over 13,000. Mm -hmm. Okay. So uh, imagine, you know, 
doubling, more than doubling. And of course, there's inflation. So I, I completely understand that obviously the prices from five years ago aren't what they should be today. Um, but I don't think everything has gone from six, you know, to to doubling um, like that. So, so on average, you know, getting another sixty five hundred dollars per job, um, I think, is just a great testament to the power of the brand and why people feel like, hey, there's a reason why it's okay for me to spend more money with this particular company because, again, I trust them. Uh, they'll be in business next year. Um, I've read the reviews; um, they're clean, they're neat. The trucks look, you know polished all the, all those things are factoring right. into those decision making so i love it what a cool testimony and if for everybody listening that's not the only one that's just the the most uh, recent one uh, dan was just saying he, he just sent over the new numbers but as you go through the book you're going to see example after example after example of you know not just we're not just talking about you know 2x 5x 10x we're talking about hundreds of percent difference in all the different types of numbers, everything from close rates to average tickets to massive reduction in the need for ad spend and still growth. Traditionally, before this was a part of the conversation, I mean, I've, I've been in the industry 17 years. I've, I remember taking classes with, you know, Barry from BDR 12, 13, 14 years ago. And he's talking about, yeah, you know, for companies to stay stagnant, they're going to spend five to seven percent in their marketing budget in order for a company to grow. It needs to be 10, 12, 14, 15 percent marketing budget. This is that's a 15 year old conversation. However, clearly, this has changed the game um, with all of the different um, you know things becoming sticky. One of the things you talked about in the book that um, just made so much sense to me is if you took your company and your logo and your brand and you put it on the shelf at the grocery store alongside all of the other you know we'll, we'll just pick toothpaste or anything um how would it stand out and would anybody want to grab it mm -hmm. and of course for most people the answer is absolutely not that's going to be the bottom shelf kicked back to the back of the, the shelf because nobody wants it because it doesn't say anything to them and yeah so if if all of these companies that are retail companies spend so much to get their brand right the most recognizable brands in the world why shouldn't we spend a little bit because in their grand scheme of things it's such a small investment to dive into branding at the at the time but both small amount of time and money man it just changes everything it changes everything so 100 love it love it man well, thanks for being on with us today. It's about time to land this plane. I uh, so appreciate the, uh, the and grateful for the time that you've given us. Everyone listening, here's the big announcement. Dan is going to be at Profit Rocket Growth Summit 2023. This podcast will launch before that. I will make sure of it. And so if you want to have the chance to meet Dan in person, ask him, ask him some questions. I'm sure there'll be opportunity for that. He's going to be one of the presenters there. Uh, so get to the event. You can go to the Close It Now Facebook group. I have a pinned post in there with a link to buy tickets. So make sure that you go there or go follow Dan on uh, Facebook as well. And I saw he has a discount code when you put his code in. Uh, to get a discount on your ticket as well. I saw that you can get a couple hundred bucks off. Yeah. Uh, so 
Um, I did also, if you're open to this idea, if you want to join the, uh, the Close It Now Facebook group, I sent you an invite. Uh, that All of the speakers along the series have been pretty cool with that. Uh, so it's a great place. Everybody can come to the Close It Now Facebook group. It'll be a good place to be able to reach out and get a hold of Dan if you want to uh, get contact through there as well. And uh, yeah, so they, I love our I love our industry. I love what we're doing. This is the moment of there's so much changing. There's so many things that are you know looking at the market and looking at what's happening. Everything is leaning out. We've got all of these big PE groups that are buying up places. I was just in Kansas City and 70% of the heating and air companies in Kansas City are owned by corporate. Wow. Talk about an opportunity for explosive growth. <laughs> so it, it is just amazing what's happening in our industry. So um, any last words or insights, nuggets you want to drop on everybody before we do the uh, the sign off here? Um, I mean, listen, I just want to say thank you to you for giving me the opportunity to, to speak on this subject. I'm so passionate about this and, and so grateful for the opportunity that we have to work with so many home service companies. It's been just an amazing journey for, for me. And I just feel um, so much gratitude for what we've been able to do. And, and you know, I get to practice my craft and, and work with so many amazing owners. And I just can't think of anything anything other th that I'd rather be doing. Um, and it's just a really cool um, industry that we're a part of, you know, so I feel really blessed to be in it. Love it. Well, thank you so much for the insight. Again, everybody, I uh, can't say this enough. Go grab yourself a copy of Branded Not Blanded to kickcharge your home service brand. It is a number one bestseller and uh, you will not regret it. Even if you just go through and read the high, look at the pictures, <laughs> eat the, read the highlights and eat the covers off the book. You're going to get more value than most branding books will um, you'll, if you read the whole book. So 100% agree with that. Thanks, Dan, for being on. Everybody, come see us at the Profit Rocket Growth Summit. I'm going to be on the sales panel. Dan's going to be on the marketing panel. And it's just going to be a great time to up-level everything that you do in your organization and up-level yourself. There's going to be even... Uh, so if you've been listening to the series, uh, Sean Michael Crane, we've got uh, Zach Williams coming up. Um, so many great people, even fitness, mindset, working out, you know, all the things, all the key, the complete components to be um, a, a person, you know, we say work to become a person worth buying from. That's all the different elements of your of yourself. Same with your business, work to have a business worth buying from and branding is definitely one of those components. So, well, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for listening, everybody. Until next time, go out there, save the world one heat stroke at a time. Thanks for listening to Close It Now with Sam Wakefield. Subscribe to the podcast now so you're first to hear new episodes jam-packed with actionable tools and tips to make you the top HVAC professional in your market. If you have friends and colleagues who would like this show, share it with them and send them to our Facebook community for more in-depth discussion about the challenges we all face and how to overcome them on the Close It Now podcast.